Yes, hello, and welcome to another episode of Bio2040, where we interview thought leaders to discover the biggest bottlenecks and opportunities in biomedical research and drug discovery. And today, I'm very excited to have uh, both a co-host, Luca Neff, as well as uh, our guest today, uh, Professor Ernst Hoffen, who's a, a thought leader in the space, uh, has been working as a uh, systems molecular biologist for, for a long time, as well as uh, co-founded various initiatives that we'll get into in, in the podcast, including one that is focusing on um, protecting patients' data and, and sharing those selectively with the right people. And so, um, Mr. Alvin, uh, welcome or uh, hello to, to the podcast, and it's great to have you. Well, thank you very much uh, uh, for coming here. Uh, I'm excited about your initiative. I think uh, we have not only elderly people like myself who are thought leaders, I think uh, it is the young generation that uh, we have to give the opportunity to do initiatives like the one you have done right now. And uh, yeah, so so I'm a molecular geneticist and have spent um, 30 years working with fruit flies, understanding basic biological processes, which was obviously quite successful. But I also understand that everything that we find out with fruit flies has already been common in the last common ancestor. And that was uh, 600 million years ago. And so if you want to understand the more recent differences between you and me, uh, you have to take advantage of two things. First of all, humans mm -hmm. talk about their phenotypes, right? Mm -hmm. and they go to the doctor and describe the symptoms. And uh, so that's what flies never do. <laughs> flies we have to torture we have to dissect to find something out but people are very willing to talk and contribute to science mm. and uh, with smartphones they basically continuously record uh, personal data that is highly relevant for biomedical research for their own health mm. also so uh, that ushers in a new era where the citizen becomes a very important contributor to, to biomedical research because biomedical research is all about data, it's all about big data, artificial intelligence. And, and one of the projects that we follow is that uh, citizens will take a much more center stage in this if we provide the right environment. Mm -hmm. And so, so tell us a little bit more about that initiative that you have started. It's, it's called MeData.Coop. How did how did that? Uh, so you gave us like the background how that came. At some point, you decided to to formalize it in, in the way you've currently done it. Uh, what are the challenges that that are happening with this data collection, and and then maybe how is your project uh, initiative targeting at solving those challenges? So first of all, it, it all originated about 10 years ago, or exactly 10 years ago, when I was intrigued as a geneticist about the possibility that we can now, for relatively little money, analyze our genome. Mm -hmm. And um, so the company 23andMe, a Google spin-off company in the US, already 10 years ago started to offer direct-to-consumer uh, genetic testing, with their claim to say, we can pro 
provide uh, contribute to to science by providing our genetic information in return we get some analysis of the current knowledge of what our genome means and where we are coming from and so on so i was really excited about this citizen science aspect there and so i offered uh, 2008 uh, to my family their genome analysis as a christmas present <laughs> And uh, that was a good experience. Subsequently, I, I basically we distributed 100 kids here in the institute mm -hmm. to, to students and, and, and postdocs and faculty because they, even though they're molecular biologists, they were not aware of what's actually happening and, 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 and so on. So that got me thinking about citizen science and about personal data because I uh, realized, wait a minute, does it make sense that I give all my genome, highly relevant genome data to a, to a startup company in the US mm -hmm. that now has a valuation over $1 billion based on our data? Mm -hmm. So I realized that this is sort of the age of smartphones and, uh, and digital society that we've adopted these technologies so readily and expect everything to be for free or to, at a very low price because we always pay with our data. So we've actually entered into sort of a digital feudalism, mm -hmm. right? Where we're not controlled by sort of overlords, but by multinational companies. And every app that we download for free, we pay with our data, whether it is a fitness app or a nutrition app or whatever it is. But that need not to be the case because we have, each of us is the ultimate aggregator of all our personal data. Because Google may know more about your health based on your search queries and, and Android phone conversations, etc., than your doctor does. But Google will never ever get your genome data, your medical data, your cumulus data that says something about your nutrition, etc. altogether. Mm -hmm. It's only you who has the potential to aggregate this data. Mm -hmm. so, so that is one aspect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The second aspect is that medicine is all of our personal data and it is this aggregation of these different data sets that is, that is very important. Mm -hmm. And the third aspect is that data is copyable. Mm -hmm. at a ze almost zero marginal cost. And you already have the right to a copy of your medical records in printed form at the moment, but you should basically have the right to a copy of all your personal data. And uh, so having a copy of that data and now organizing this data collection in a radically different way and that's the midata spirit mm -hmm. so we say personal data is equally distributed amongst people every every one of us is a billionaire in genome data <laughs> right whether we live in tanzania in switzerland or in the united states mm -hmm. and we have the same number of steps heartbeats etc so it's a unique new asset personal data that mm -hmm. we have similar amounts of that's why governing this and, and storing this in a cooperative fashion, mm -hmm. a cooperative is owned by the citizens, by the one member, one vote principle, which reflects precisely the fact that we have similar amounts of data. So we said, why don't we organize these data banks mm -hmm. as cooperatives that are owned by the citizens? So Midata is a cooperative in Switzerland mm -hmm. that is founded by citizens and you can become a member in, in, in 
this year already. Mm -hmm. And you, by becoming a member or just open an account, you get an account where you can store all your personal data, whether it is Cumulus, genome or medical data in there. And every piece of data is encrypted. And you hold the key to this data and you can decide you want to share it with a doctor for a second opinion, with your friends for training for a Berlin marathon or to participate in a, in a clinical study. Mm. And the Midata cooperative is not only owned by the citizens, it's also a not-for-profit cooperative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have been very adamant about not offering people financial incentives to share their data mm. because that sets the wrong view. Mm -hmm. Your data or my data, even if it's aggregated, is not worth very much. But the data, the aggregated data of all the citizens, that's where the value is. Mm -hmm. Look at Google or Facebook, the valuation is because of all the people's data, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so that value should go back to society mm. and not to the individual. Because two things happen. If you offer financial incentives, you will get people who game the system and uh, uh, introduce fake data just to get the, fi uh, the finances. Mm. You crowd out the strong altruistic behavior that people have, and that is not served at the moment, mm. Mm. presently, very much. Mm. And so... It's like with blood donations in, uh, in Europe and in Switzerland, you get a sandwich, you don't get paid. Mm -hmm. In the US, you get paid, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know who goes to donate blood? It's all the people who need the money. Mm -hmm. It's all the homeless people who do, do that as much as they can just to get the cash. Mm -hmm. And so let's get away from that. And let's build a second new personal data economy mm -hmm. that is based on the collective of the citizens. So Midata will generate huge amounts of money f back to the citizens. Mm -hmm. So, so understanding that, who is going to pay for that data? Is this going to be the, the, the pharma companies or the biotech companies that want to do drug discovery? or who? who, who yeah, so we're coming to drug discovery. In drug discovery, one of the rate limiting steps is the recruitment of patients. Now, I would say, if I had an easy way, I would say, hey... Yes, of course, I have a friend who has multiple sclerosis. I participate in trials mm -hmm. for multiple sclerosis. So I, in principle, give access to my data mm. for a trial. Mm. Now, my doctor negotiates as a fiduciary mm. for the data that I say I would theoretically share with Novartis mm -hmm. uh, and then negotiates the term with Novartis. Now, think about this. Every day, it takes longer to recruit the necessary amount of patients for a trial, say phase three trial, 2,000, 10,000 patients, mm -hmm. every day it takes longer, is one day less of patent protection. Mm -hmm. And that translates with a drug that has a blockbuster revenue of 3.65 billion a year mm -hmm. to 10 million a day. Mm -hmm. So it's $10 million you save if you have a more efficient way to recruit patients. And so, so that is one of the biggest income possibilities. But Midata is a platform cooperative. Mm -hmm. it's, it offers a new platform where third parties, ETH startups, that can say, okay, I'm going to give you a personal training scheme that is not only based on the Strava 
records that I have mm -hmm. and my um, protein intake, but it also combines it with my uh, genome data mm. and with my metabolic profile or my blood levels that I've agreed to share. Now, this startup, so there are no business opportunities because data will now come together that have never been together. So, so I think there is a unique business opportunity and an entirely new economy that that comes. And Midata has is not only a not-for-profit cooperative. In the Articles of Association, it specifies that it has its own ethics committee. And this ethics committee does not surpass or does the same thing that an ethics, cantonal ethics committee does, but it actually looks at services that are offered on the platform. So if Luca offers this new sort of marathon training app, uh, the ethics committee is actually looking at the terms of this app mm. to see that there is not somewhere written, by the way, we can then also, you know, sell your data to third parties. So, because I want to pay for that app. Mm. It's a service. I want to, you know, uh, run two and a half hours or three hours, three and a half hours at the Berlin Marathon next year. So, to achieve this, hey, it's a service. I pay for this like I pay for a coffee in a restaurant. We have to get away from this economy where everything is free. Mm. Like coffee is not free, right? Mm. We never, ever walk out of a restaurant <laughs> without paying. Mm -hmm. But when we download an app, we say, hey, why the, why the hell should I uh, pay for, for this app? Mm -hmm. So we have that we have to rethink. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a huge, huge opportunity. And it is something that I'm very adamant that this, we're not taking anything away from Google or from Micro. Because mm -hmm. if I signed up for a Cumulus card, I'd... I agreed that Migro can analyze my shopping behavior, but I can get a copy of that, mm -hmm. right? And so Migro will realize that if they give me the copy, I may actually share some other data back mm -hmm. with them, mm -hmm. right? To get a better offer mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. better coupons that I'm more likely to, to, to buy something for. So it will not only generate a new parallel personal data economy that will benefit biomedical research, mm -hmm since we're becoming active participants in this and patient reported outcome is the key to a more efficient medicine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all the studies that we have done so far we've done about uh, 10 different studies that are ongoing now mm -hmm. with patients mm -hmm. sometimes obese patients that just had a, a, a stomach bypass operation mm -hmm. that all said hey if I can contribute to research, I actually download an app mm -hmm. that logs my steps that I take, the, the weight that I have and my well-being in my Midata account. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I contribute to this research question. Mm -hmm. And it's intriguing, this, in particular in this case that we did with the Insel Hospital in Bern. The patient said, well, if it is for a study, I'm happy to participate. Mm -hmm. If it's only for the doctors watching over my shoulder and telling me that I didn't walk enough, mm -hmm. then I'm not interested in this. Interesting. So the, this is a, just a huge untapped potential. Mm -hmm. And this is whether you have a new hip 
or whether you have an operation or you take a new medication. Mm -hmm. You have a dedicated app that is cool, that is easy. You see how many people do it. Citizen science will change the way biomedical research is done in the future. And this is this goes to, to this book mm -hmm. that was uh, written by the uh, American cardiologist Eric Topol, the patient will see you now, mm -hmm. which just mm -hmm. basically turns mm -hmm. medicine on its head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've read this with our uh, first year medical student. In mm -hmm. the first week, we say mm -hmm. medicine will not be the same again. It mm -hmm. will be completely changed. Mm -hmm. You better be prepared. For mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. A lot of the medical system is now driven by the patent system on one side and on by the regulatory system. How will this citizen science going to affect the current regulatory system. Is, is there any borders to it yet? Uh, we, have two, we have two aspects in, in this. One is the regulatory system, the data protection, uh, you know, where data privacy and data protection, which is a big issue. If you take a more active role in biomedical research, no one can actually prevent you from doing this mm -hmm. you know? because you enter the Zurich hospital and then you sign some general consent agreement mm -hmm. that they can do with the data whatever they want mm -hmm. including selling them in anonymized form mm -hmm. and you say of course you do it mm -hmm. but you say I want to get a copy of that mm -hmm. because I can share it with the competitors mm -hmm. of the University of Zurich hospital, right. which is which changes science as well because I am as if as a sort of medical researcher, I want exclusive right access to your data because I want to publish a nature genetics paper, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you say, I'm going to give it to your competitor, then that is not in my interest. So that will change also. Mm -hmm. So it's really about empowering the, the citizens or all of us to have and say, you can have my data because you're doing this X, but I don't want you to have my data because... Yeah, you just, or you can have it, but I also give it to this person, right. or I give it to the general, you know, mm -hmm. multiple sclerosis research community yeah. in an anonymized or pseudonymized. Right. right. So that is that is that is one thing, and in terms of data protection, the European Data Protection Regulation, which comes in effect in uh, on in in uh, May this year. Mm -hmm has the most innovative feature is this data portability article, mm. which basically specifies that you have a right to take your data and put it somewhere else. And uh, if this is understood mm -hmm. in the sense that we understand it, that you have a right to a digital copy of mm -hmm. all your personal data, mm -hmm. that will be a game changer. And I've the Swiss, uh, Swiss uh, government uh, has not yet adopted this uh -huh. and so I want to actually put Switzerland here first and mm -hmm. start a referendum <laughs> in Switzerland to, pos to, to demand the right to copy, das Recht auf Kopie, mm -hmm. to put into the constitution. Wow. Because in the 21st century in a digital society, das Recht auf Kopie should be a fundamental right. It's not about protecting your data that's data protection but the right to a digital copy mm. gives you mm. Mm. the empowerment to do with that data mm. 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 so and i want to start a referendum uh, along these lines to and then of course when you put the data into something like this meet cooperative 
uh, then uh, this is one way you can democratize the personal yeah, data. Yeah. What's the current state? Can people already uh, build apps on, 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 on top of Midata? Or, or how, how do people, uh, if they want to learn more or work with this, where do they, what can they do? Where do they go? So we're, we're, at a, we're at a position where we say we're looking for individual projects. If you have an idea, a mm. project, you will build an app, mm. we will help you to do that and we will develop that together. So any startup is open to, to, to uh, come to us and, and do that. We have about yeah, 15, 20 different projects at different stages. Mm. Uh, the biggest one that we're launching now in March is with the University Hospital mm. and that's an allergy app. Mm. So people who have hay fever, mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is no real data on, on hay fever. Uh, we're developing an app uh, that records your symptoms, the pollen data from Swiss Meteo, the weather data, and, and your medication. And we invite people to join in a real-world citizen science project to, uh, to contribute this data. And we expect to have a participation of about 100,000 or more people. So that's when mm. when Midata and this kind of approach will become very very popular, and then we have different different other projects that are that, that are going on the way. How will this change uh, biomedical research? Let's say I'm Novartis and I want to come up with a allergy medication in this future, where let's say every Swiss citizen has shared has a copy of their data and has put it on Midata. How would Novartis proceed now to do the clinical studies, and how will it affect their drug development process? So it will. It, the drug development process may not be changed that much, but towards the end of the drug development process, especially in in, in the clinical trials, mm-hmm. but from phase one to phase three, even phase four trials will be will change, and that's where the accumulation of the money is. In in phase three, when we need these ten thousand patients that we've discussed before, but drug development will change, EMA and FDA will change. Because if you can, if if you have a better grip on the patients mm. through smartphone sensors, apps, and 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 they know they have to participate, you can start to to start these trials much earlier. Mm. And you say, well, you know, we started with a small group of people, but they have this smartphone app and they report every day. Mm-hmm. And we monitor that yeah. continuously. So if something goes wrong, right. we recognize that yeah. much earlier. Because this this guy, Eric Topol, who was the one who finally uncovered or, or, or made public the Vioxx scandal, mm. if you had the data, retrospectively, you could see within three months after mm. the, 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 the drug was approved that mm. there was something wrong. In a very rare subpopulation, also genetic of, of patients, mm. but it took three, four years, 60,000 People died unnecessarily because it was not recognized. Mm. And of course, people didn't want, you know, there's a hundred thousand different effects. That mm. But if you now, with digital technology you and, and the willingness of, of patients to, com- to, to contribute, you can release these drugs much earlier mm. and you can get much better information on right. how you and I react. You and I differ in one in a thousand base pairs in our genome. Mm. But that's the key difference, mm. right, between uh, between how we react. Mm. That's why developing an app 
for for iOS cost fifteen thousand Swiss francs, right? And mm-hmm. it takes three months or three weeks to mm-hmm. develop this app, and then you know it works on every iOS. Mm-hmm. A medication is nothing but something that interferes with the operating system. Now, the human operating system and our genome is the human operating system. Problem is, it's about the same size as Windows is mm-hmm. in, in terms of base pairs mm-hmm. or, or lines of code. Mm-hmm. But it's different from one person to the other. Mm-hmm. And so you have 15,000 or 1.5 billion mm-hmm. and 15 years of development. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the difference because of this small difference, mm-hmm. right? And so going, taking this into account and taking the citizen not only as a patient that, that is given an operation or receiving a drug, mm-hmm. but thinking that he or she has a supercomputer on her shoulder that is more powerful than IBM Watson is. Mm-hmm. So, to, 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 to sort of wrap this up, my mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. really is that it is always said that there will be two countries in the future mm-hmm. that are the do AI, artificial intelligence for the entire world. It's the United States and China. Mm-hmm. We ha- Because they have the most amount of data where they can control their, their algorithms. Now, so this will is a hypercycle that accelerates this digital dependency even more. But AI is fantastic and will be even more powerful in the future. But now think about combining AI mm-hmm. with human intelligence, mm-hmm. where you have 7 billion, soon 8 billion supercomputers, mm-hmm. in a fair way. Combining AI plus HI together is incredibly more powerful than than just thinking about what you might have ser- thought when you searched on mm. Google. Mm. So, and that needs a different understanding. That needs a democratic understanding. That needs data to the people, right? Mm. To to sort of empower them. And I think that's that is going to be a revolution that we t- t- uh, try to take out of Switzerland. Mm-hmm. But we're working with South Africa. We're, we have partners in, in Berlin, Charité, mm-hmm. where we build a mid-order cooperative in Oxford, in the Netherlands, now also in Belgium. So this model is starting to take uh, root as a sort of grass root model. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, that looks to something that we should, we should uh, keep following, keep understanding better how that's going to... Uh help uh, citizens uh, establish proper uh, contracts about what they can do with their data. And, and then uh, I'm particularly excited about this opportunity to be quicker at uh, having the relevant data to recruit patients, to recruit data, and really uh, just find the medicines. Yeah, it's, that make it's, 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 all about, it's all about the patient. And, yeah. and, and once you do it in the hospital, then, you know, you have all these problems of data protection and consent and, and yeah. so on. And many people say, you know, I give you my data. If it if it helps, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. But many people also say, hey, you know, I would like to contribute. Mm-hmm. And we have to right. have a, a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. Yeah. And the sense of purpose is has been taken away from us right. because the refugees are taken care by companies and, mm-hmm. and Spitex is taken care of, elderly people are taken mm-hmm. care of by Spitex. So, so I think part of the... the, 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 the the tendencies that we see in society 
has to do with the fact that we lose the sense of purpose. And mm. and I always say, in ETH and University of Zurich are just starting a competence center on citizen science, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where Midata is, of course, it's sort of the, the necessary platform mm-hmm, for this. Mm-hmm. And I want, in five years from now, I want that people not only at ETH talk to which citizen science project are in allergy. Oh, no, I'm doing this genealogy where mm. Swiss people come from. Oh, mm. no, I'm doing, oh, that's cool. I want to do this as well. Mm-hmm. This cuts right across all the people at ETH and in society. Mm. So in five years from now, people should talk in the drum, you know, mm-hmm. what citizen science project are you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, look, this is, in- I heard about this. This mm-hmm. is cool. I mean, this is, this will... Uh, 100% be transformative for science and for society mm, mm. and for, for biomedical research and, and industry also. We still need regulatory, but we can have this advanced uh, approval, you know, with mm. this monitoring. Mm. I think the biotech misery in Switzerland is not so bad anymore if you look at the companies that we have in in the biotechno park i mm-hmm. mean we have billions of dollars invested there roche just moved its entire discovery center to schlieren mm-hmm. because they closed penzberg uh, a discovery in in germany moved mm-hmm. all the people here to schlieren mm-hmm. it is a passing environment where things happen we're getting more and more entrepreneurs serial entrepreneurs that come here So this concludes the first part of our interview with Professor Ernst Hoffen. Tune in for the second part where we talk about how the Biotechnic Park Schlieren in Zurich, Switzerland came about and what the challenges are in translating findings from academic research from a world-class university such as ETH Zurich into the wild and create companies and solutions that will ultimately help patients get better. This has been Flavio Rump and Luca Neff with bio2040.com, where we interview thought leaders in the field of biomedical research and drug discovery. And as a call to action, if you are working on something interesting in the field or know people who are uh, changing the way science biomedical research is being done, please reach out. Let us know who we should be interviewing and what we should look at. You can reach us at flavio.rump at gmail.com. Thanks, and looking forward to seeing you in our next interviews and podcasts.